But we're in now. We're in. Episode two. Episode two. Dern Mania has sweats. The tri-state area. We've we've heard from all of you. We're grateful for your just feverish enthusiasm. We're very excited for the Oscars, which are happening at some point between yeah. now and now. I, I hate to show you all how the sausage is made, but we're recording this episode ahead of time, so the Oscars will have already happened by now, so congratulations to Lord Kathy Bates. Congratulations to Scarlett Johansson. We have to record all these, and we'll just cut the one that isn't right. Uh, uh, Margot Robbie and Florence Pugue? Pugue? Who's that? Who? Florence Pugue? Uh, I think she Pugue? was in Little Women. Okay. She was like Dern? Yeah. Dern okay. is also in that. Dern, yeah. But if Dern wins this Oscar, it will be her third Oscar for, her third award this season for Marriage Story. Okay. Just a little, a little update on the stats. I know the Super Bowl's <laughs> over, so we gotta focus on the real stuff now. I, needless to say, the Tony's my... coming up. The Oscars are soon. You know, it's my first pick on my fantasy. The BET Awards. Did those happen yet? I don't. Know. I don't... So there's so <laughs> many other, so, so many awards like CMT, BET, so many three-letter awards. DMT. That's not an award show. That's just Joe, <laughs> our good friend Joe. Aww, Joey Deeds. <laughs> Joe Rogan, but okay. <laughs> Um, so, welcome back. Welcome back. This is our second go at this. (laughs) It could be better, it could be worse. Yeah, no, I think it's perfect. I I think my notes are better, if anything. Yeah, I feel like now I have some... I saw a real film. Whoa. This time. Oh, you got to watch a real movie? I got to watch a real movie and have, like, a plot. (laughs) It wasn't just deleted scenes strung together. It had characters who... (laughs) Laura Dern was in it. She was just one character. Whoa. This time. Well, that's not even. That's lacking of anything. <laughs> You're used to so much more out of her. Um, just one last little thing I want to interject before we get going. Um, Insta Dern this week. We have um, this morning, I think it's February 7th, she met with all of the Oscar folks. It's like the little luncheon they have before the big show. Are their names actually Oscar? No, I don't think so anymore. I think Oscar's dead. <laughs> Oscar's been dead for a long time. No, she met Elton John. I mean, she what met does a bunch Elton of... John have to do with the Oscar? Um, uh, b- 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 his movie, Rocket Man. It's uh, in the award right. season cycle, so um, it's like, I know, it's fine. What do you think? I'm like a movie podcast guy? What's happening? What do you know? I only know Dern. So it was like all the nominees. Yeah, it was like okay. everybody, but he was also there because he can be there, I guess. What? I don't know, I think he lives in Hollywood, so. Was it like a brunch? I probably. There wasn't Luncheon. food pictured, but I assume there was food served. Okay. Uh, DiCaprio was there, the Nasonex B guy. Everybody. <laughs> all, the, all the people. Sure. Men, ladies, everybody. Sounds like a real hoot. It looked like a hoot. They all were smiling. Well, what was she I guess they're tragical. They're like so rich. Of course they're happy. Anyway, um, I don't know what she was wearing. I don't remember. I just remember her face and Elton John's face. What do you like to imagine she was wearing? I think, like, a purple dress, understated, some, like, a little bit of glitz, but not too much. I guess it would be because this is before the Oscars. Yeah, we don't so know what she's wearing to the Oscars. It could be the I'm same dress. I'm like, uh, no. Nick. <laughs> Nick. How dare you? I guess she's... I think she's gonna have, like, um, like a, a thin, black, shiny form-fitting, like, assassin kind of, like, hot assassin babe dress. You know... It'll be the longest dress ever, because she's a, a long woman. 
This is sort of related to women and dresses. Before I came to your house tonight to record this, I, uh, I was walking by a bar and I thought, you know, I should have another drink because I usually just have my uh, snifter of port at Christmas. Sure, not sure. But I thought I'd have another this year. So I stopped in and had a, had a little snifter of a dark beer. And I was talking about Laura Dern to somebody and they compared Laura Dern to becoming Meryl Streep. Like she is the our new Meryl Streep. She's like 25 years younger. Like, she can play anything. Yes. Oh, I, I don't know. It's not really super related to that, but it was said to me and it really stuck. I think it is. One, awards. Yes, it yes. is related. Absolutely. I mean, I guess. Yeah. And as you said, it's February and she's on in line for her third major award of the season. You're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. Meryl who? She... Meryl who? This is Durntown, baby. <laughs> Meryl Streep is officially banned from this podcast. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Lord. Alrighty. Should well, we get into it? You ready? I gotta, yeah. One, two, three. Big, big Dern! Big Dern. So it's on the Big Dern tonight, big man. Ooh, okay, so I got a film I had never seen before. Ah. 2001, post 9-11, everyone was wondering. Um, I am Sam. And no, you're Max. The, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> For a second, but there's this oh, movie I gotcha. called I Am Ma- Sam. <laughs> I Am Sam, and I had never seen it, but I knew a little bit about it. I kind of knew it was um, Sean Penn plays a mentally challenged man, and I wasn't sure, but I had this perception that it would be like a like a chintzy kind of like too just saccharine feel goody to be like actually good um and you may remember last week i had my like feeling going into this david lynch movie that it would be like complex and dumb and needlessly artsy and like generally insufferable yeah um well now i'm two for two on my guesses because (laughs) this movie was just like saccharine bullshit (laughs) top to bottom and we're gonna get into it a bit. Um, so it does. It is. It does have its good parts. There okay. are some things I really liked about this film. Have you seen it? I have not. Do you? Are you at all familiar? Uh, not really. Okay. I, I mean, I've heard a reference to it here or there, sure. but I don't really. I don't even know the plot. Really. Okay. Um, so one thing I loved about it is that, like any good story, it jumps right into it. It's, I've heard it described as, don't tell, if you have a story of a ball rolling down the hill, push the ball and then, then turn the camera on. Like, don't, don't give us the backstory, don't build up, like, jump into the action. Yeah. So the very first scene, and now, so the, actually the very first scene does kind of give insight into what type of movie and what type of bullshit heartstrings it's going to try to pull at, because uh, Sam is... Our main character is Sean Penn, mentally challenged man, um, and he works at Starbucks, and it's just like Starbucks, it's just like product placement right off the bat of like 2001 Starbucks. Like this movie has the feeling of like one of those like white girl acoustic guitar like CD collections they would have at Starbucks. I don't know if they, they probably do still have that. No, I, I think they do. They like, like that's, AC that's the vibe. So it's very safe. It's like, oh yes, the like, the caring corporation. You know, and you and me are on the road for the podcast. Hell, fifty days a year, fifty <laughs> weeks a year. So we know Starbucks. We know all the chains. It, 
you like to explore cities, but sometimes you gotta go safe. You you gotta go to that Dave and Buster's. You gotta go to that Starbucks. <laughs> I did the Dave and Buster's here. I went one time uh, after eating a bunch of mushrooms by myself. That's a great idea. It it was. I mean, it was I'm sure fine. It, was fun. it just it, I thought it was gonna grab me and be like this really like, kind of interesting <laughs> magical experience. Your trip was. And I just had that. like a shitty meal and. <laughs> Was surrounded by like tweens on dates. So you, like, you didn't like your root beer chicken strips? <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Too much. I digress. Anyway, um, you got it. Sam works at Starbucks. All right. Which, all right. Maybe we're off to. Right, okay. Um, but then, so first scene, they're like, Sam, you gotta go. Like, it's time. Something's going on. So he's gotta get somewhere. He goes to the hospital where a woman gives birth to a, a baby girl. And he's holding this girl, and he says, like, oh, you're my daughter. And now you're like, whoa, this dude has a daughter. That's interesting, because he's, like, severely mentally challenged, right off, like, you can tell right off the bat. So already you're like, what, who, what's going on? Trying to connect the dots. You're like, this is interesting. Okay. And then the very next scene, I think they're, like, literally outside of the hospital, and the woman just dips. Mama dips, Sam's like getting on the bus and she just like jukes and like runs through a crowd and disappears. And he's standing there holding this newborn baby and it's like, what the fuck is happening? I like the notion that like the minute you give birth, the hospital boots you out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like she was like running, she booking was, it. She, <laughs> she's a trail of afterbirth just. Well, it was her point, you know, you take, like, the maternity yoga classes and stuff, she was just, like, doing stretches the whole time, getting ready. As soon as she got out of that room, she was sayonara. Good for her. <laughs> I mean, not ditching the mentally challenged guy and her child, but, like, yeah. you know. She's fit. She's ready. She's a fit woman. She ran the New York Marathon that year, the first one after 9-11. <laughs> She's brave. She's a brave woman in this... Scary new world. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> um, so, so, I do, so already I'm like, I'm kind of in. I'm like, okay, I have a lot of questions. I am very nervous for this man. I'm like, because you're just immediately, you're like, how the fuck can this guy raise a kid? And that's sort of what, it doesn't really get into the how of it. Um, it's like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then, but quickly, she, like, now all of a sudden the daughter's, like, five or something. Okay. Um, and so you're like, all right, I guess he got through that. Like, <laughs> I figured it out. You know, there's, like, some diaper stuff. He doesn't know when to feed her. They do, like, a little bit of that. But all of a sudden, uh, his daughter is no longer newborn, is now, like, perfectly sweet as punch Dakota Fanning. Aww. Little girl Dakota Fanning. I, I, you're younger than me, so you might not recall little girl Dakota Fanning. But no, she was like... I, I recently viewed um, Uptown Girl. Sure, there you and go. I saw a very little girl, but like act, very strong actor. Oh, she is scary good. Yeah, no, especially like now because she plays temple. like a little like evil child. You ever see the one with De Niro? Where it's like a psychological thriller. Mm, I don't think I've seen that oh, one. Oh, I wish Stern was in it. That's God. all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Too bad we can only watch Stern movies. <laughs> it's called Hide and Seek for viewers at home. It's nuts. I'm gonna write that in my notes. Um, but the, so yeah, Dakota Fanning is was a remarkable child actress, and this is no different. 
but she is like just perfectly angelic blonde girl like precocious she's like too perfect sure her performance is great yeah and i will say sean penn's performance amazing it is the best thing about this movie it's scary good does a wonderful job um Everything else is dog shit, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll, we'll pace, we'll pace <laughs> that out a little bit. Um, so okay, so that and that gets at one issue I had, where you could tell this is sort of a pat ourselves on the back. Look, here's this mentally challenged guy, and like we're showing it. it's good, it's loving. You can feel good about yourself for having made this movie. You can feel good about yourself for having watched this movie. Cause yeah. Because um, there aren't many movies about mentally challenged people. Um, but it feels like the only, like, this perfect normal girl uh, is sort of our, like, that's why we care about him. Like, it's not, I would have loved to see a movie about Sam, the guy who, who's mentally challenged and needs to get by. And, like, how does he navigate that? And what are the relationships in his life? Um, and he does have a group of, like, four friends. Some of them are definitely actually mentally challenged, um, and some may or may not be, I'm not sure, but they all, they all play that. And they're fun, and then it's sort of, they can be sort of the, um, uh, the comic relief at times. They're, like, his fun band of, of friends. But we know nothing about them. I don't know their names. The movie never gives a shit about what their lives are like despite the fact that their lives are probably much more normal than, oh, the guy who also has, like, a beautiful, lovely daughter, and that's what makes it interesting. It's not like the whole movie does, as you might suppose, have this kind of, like, it's all about love and compassion, and at the end of the day, that's what makes us wonderful people, even if we're dum-dums. <laughs> um, and, like, we don't... That, like, that's it. it it's like spoon-feeding spoon us that without ever really challenging us to consider. The seriously... Okay, so, like, mentally challenged guy raising a daughter by himself. Seriously fucking crazy. Like, that... There are so many issues that could arise. There's such a great movie you could make dealing with that. There it, would, it wouldn't be an easy movie. This felt this felt like a shittier gun. No, it sounds like just, like, a slightly more realistic Forrest Gump, but, like, still not... Like, yeah. realistic in different ways, but still not the whole real. Right. Oh, yeah. Just, like, the slightly sadder side of the real. Yeah. Because, you know, Forrest Gump was well, ridiculously right. wealthy. <laughs> Could do anything. Owned Apple. <laughs> um, it, it did have that same kind of Forrest Gumpy feel-good without the... The, what makes Forrest Gump so fun? Because, like, it's, <laughs> it's bullshit, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. This one, meh. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, so he's got this daughter. They have this sweet, loving relationship. But now, you know, she's in school and people are questioning, like, hey, your dad's a retard kind of stuff. And, like, she's got to deal with that. And now she's gonna turn eight, and he's got the brain of a seven-year-old. Like, doctors say that to him, like, well, what happens then when she's smarter than you? And it's like, you're not fit to raise this child. And so it becomes a, a custody movie. Uh, 
the state is gonna take away his daughter. I was gonna say, like, what if it didn't? Like, what if they just told him that, but <laughs> nobody dealt with it? They were just like, what's gonna yeah. happen? Who's to say? <laughs> well, that, it's funny you say that, because that's kind of how the movie feels. Um, but, so, it becomes, there's, like, an incident where he grabs a kid, but he doesn't even grab it. All these, like, they set up, like, these bad things where people get to go, like, hey, you're unfit. Like, he's in an IHOP, and um, a woman comes up to him and starts talking to him, and he's asking her for help on, like, the, the word search on the, the placemat. Mm -hmm. um, and what, as a viewer, you're watching, you're like, oh, I think this woman's a prostitute. Because um, she's, like, being real flirty, and she, she's kind of slutted up a little bit. And... And, but they have this conversation about the word search, and she, like, points out a word, and that's it. And then he gets arrested for soliciting a prostitute, which you can't... It's not a crime to talk to a prostitute. Just out of curiosity... In an IHOP. What is the setting? Like, is there a specific city this takes place in? This or? is in... Glad you asked, because it has... It's the perfect city for a movie that is just, like, sunshiny, feel-goody, and at the end of the day, deeply hollow, and that is the city of Los Angeles. Okay, because I was very curious. There are not many cities in the U.S., I think, that you could expect prostitutes to be soliciting at an IHOP. <laughs> inside inside, of, an inside of a business. No, I believe it might actually, it's actually Santa Monica. Oh. Yeah, oh well, so. now, now that right. you say that. Not Los Angeles proper. L.A. County, but... Vampires, man. <laughs> it's true. It's a different city, but... Um, so, he... So, like... He's not fit. They take the daughter. He doesn't understand what's going on. And, like, he isn't fit. Like, this guy shouldn't raise a child on his own. He does not seem capable of that. Um, but then it becomes this, like, antagonistic, oh, the state is taking away his daughter and he must be a bad man kind of thing. Um, but then, so he's got to find a lawyer. And he finds a lawyer. And you know who it is? Uh, Guess who it is? Uh, it's Warder! Nope, it's not. <laughs> Are you fucking it's, kidding me? It's Michelle Pfeiffer. What? <laughs> Laura Dern is actually the, I, the bus driver from the beginning. At this point, I recheck the credits to make sure I'm watching the right movie. I'm now a half hour in, and I'm just wondering if Dern's going to show up. <laughs> we'll see if she does. Um, <laughs> no, we get Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, she's good. And Yeah, and it, but... She doesn't do L.A. Lawyer like Dern does. Michelle Pfeiffer didn't get an Oscar nomination, and if you're listening to this, an Oscar win Maybe. for her role as an L.A. Lawyer. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer is fine. She's like, she's a high-powered, she doesn't want to deal with Sam, uh, but then she, she only takes on his case because her friends think she's like, a greedy lawyer asshole. So she lies and says she's doing pro bono work for the sweet retarded man. And then ends up kind of having to do that. <laughs> um, man, I, I hate when you agree to do something nice and then they expect just, you to do it. <laughs> um, there's this whole awful plot where yeah. they develop a friendship with like the tiniest bit of sexual tension, um, which makes zero sense. Um, but She's neglecting her son because she works hard. She was a workaholic, and she doesn't have her shit together. And she says this awful line, um, 
where she says, like, she's like, oh, Sam, I worry I've gotten more out of this relationship than you. Out of her being his lawyer. <laughs> and it's, so it's this awful, oh, this dumb, no. like, forced, hammy friendship between the two of them that makes zero sense. Um, but she's, she's trying, she's trying to do right and, like, help him win this custody thing. And she doesn't, which makes sense. You're like, I, why would, what, like, rousing speech is going to convince a, a court or a judge to, like, allow this man to take care of this child when it's clear that, like, he frankly cannot. Um, he does not have the, the mental capacity to, like, fully care for her. Um, and so now we're, like, two-thirds of the way through the film. I should talk about the music. Oh. <laughs> it's one of these movies. It's one of these fucking Beatles movies. Oh. How much? How many Beatles? Every song. And, like, that's his oh. thing. He loves the Beatles. He bonds with his daughter over the Beatles. He, and he, like, tries to express his love for his daughter in terms of, like, well, John Lennon and his son Julian. Um, and every song's a Beatles move, a Beatles song, a Beatles cover. And... But every single one is... And I love the Beatles. The Beatles are amazing. I'm yeah. not, here, not here to shit on the Beatles, but I am absolutely here to shit on movies that just do Beatles songs as just a feel-good, just to evoke. It's like the, the biggest cheat you could do because <laughs> everyone already knows these songs. It's something Forrest Gump kind of does with them. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what if Forrest Gump just did Beatles music? <laughs> it would have been the same movie. Um... Yeah, it's and it, each one is like an upbeat, feel good, grab your heartstrings and warm fuzzies and give perfect little Dakota Fanning a hug and like in Beatles form. You know, it's, oddly enough, <laughs> considering the time frame this film was made in, Michael Jackson probably got some of the money. Yeah, well, I from think that's covers. might be like why the they needed to. They needed to get like open with a Starbucks ad because how else are they gonna pay for all the Beatles? Tunes? Exactly, and IHOP. I, there's the only IHop. breakfast restaurant yeah. that would allow a prostitute to film. Okay, so now he's got he like does have a chance with the courts to like get some visitation because, um, but he needs to like prove he needs to get more income. Because, you know, this wonderful Starbucks job pays $8 an hour. Which the movie doesn't address that maybe that's part of the problem here. Right? That, like, this guy ought to... If we're talking what should happen here, it's like this guy, with the help of others, should be able to see and care for his daughter. And he should also be seen and cared for uh, in a compassionate way. And he should all have those things. And that would be wonderful. And it's like, it's supposed to be like a good thing that, like, he makes $8 an hour at Starbucks, like refilling the like sugar packets um and he can't he lives in santa monica it's <laughs> a very expensive place to live he can't do that but the movie doesn't want to look at like the deeper structural issues at all um so anyhow so he loses custody um, and now we learn that she she is in a foster home so he still gets to see her at times and she has a foster mother. And you know who that foster mother is? 
I don't even want to say it because it's probably okay. It's, it's, it's Laura Dern. Dern. It's Laura Dern. She's in a, an hour thirty six, I believe, over in town. That's when we get our first Dern sighting. And first Dern, she looks. We we can. So she looks. She has her own angelic like nature her angelic blonde nature to match like perfect dakota fanning like you see them and you're like this does seem like the right mother for her um and she um she has like a nice house in the suburbs um she has a husband but he's not the character like we see him like in the door frame behind her i don't know who he is her name is randy which is cool respect for just saying randy um and she, so she's the foster mom, she's, they're, like, painting together outside on, like, easels in her front yard, which, like, nobody in Santa Monica has ever been in their own front yard. Like, it's the most walled-off place in the world. Like, that's not a thing that happens, so that's insane. That, that's Gumpian-level inaccuracy. Uh, but nevertheless, she does seem to be this sweet, caring woman who's probably, like, has a good job. She's like Michelle Pfeiffer if she had her shit together yeah. and wasn't, like, a tearing her hair out <laughs> um, kind of woman. So so we do, we're like, okay, this seems nice. But what about Sam, right? So there's still this tension where um, Sam, like, visits but he shows up early and Laura Jones like you can't show up early there's sort of this like combative and they've got like a final custody hearing coming up soon and it's sort of like set mistakes for like what you know who's gonna get it and are, are they sort of they're against each other um Sam moves nearby after he gets another job at Pizza Hut because Beatles songs ain't cheap <laughs> and I mean Pizza Hut was the biggest consumer of kale till like the early 2000s <laughs> they were just saying why um they used that was the dressing on their salad bars oh they, so used they were using kale like, before anyone else yeah and it wasn't even kale. for food it was just for decoration and like uh, every pizza had had the buffet so they right. would just they would redecorate it every day the more you know yeah so yeah they they had the money <laughs> what they the had what are you doing here <laughs> i don't know i'm you just getting, you getting I'm kale just, facts <laughs> not right now I know a nice kale not smoothie, but I'm not going to talk about it here. I'm saving that for the other show I do. Uh, this has been another episode of Kale After Reading. <laughs> um, so, so, he, so he moves nearby now, and Duren's kind of pissed about that. And, like, rightfully so. Like, quit encroaching. Like, you got to go through the judge. Like, what's, what's your play here, Sam? So she's a little, like, miffed. Um... But then, a little, sweet little Dakota Fanning. Oh, her name's Lucy, by the way. Like, Lucy and the Scout Diamonds, Beatles. That makes um, sense. And she sneaks out of her house and goes to... Because she loves her dad. They do have the sweet... They bond. It's nice and sweet. They do have the sweet chemistry. Um, and she sneaks out of Duren's house to go, to go be with Papa Sam. And Sam, like, does the right thing. You're, you kind of, you don't know if he's going to do the right thing. You're like, oh, you always get a little nervous in these situations. Like, he's going to fuck up. Um, and he brings her back. And she's like, what the hell? And she's still kind of, like, pissed at him. But, like, and he says, like, she, she said she couldn't sleep. Here, give her this treat, like, if you want. Like, she really likes that. It helps her sleep. Uh, and so then it's like, 
Well, he does know how to care for his daughter, and he is filled with love and has <coughs> this strong relationship. And then um, Darren offers her the next time, and she, she sees her, she's about to sneak out, little, little Lucy, and Darren's sitting there at the table. <laughs> and she's not mad, to her credit, so Darren plays this really well, she does seem like a really nice woman. Um, and she's not mad, but she offers the snack, um, and Lucy takes it, she's like, thank you, and just takes it to her room, and you can see, like, Darren wanted her to, like, thank you, and, like, give her a hug, and that, like, she could be her mommy, and they could have this wonderful thing, but that's not what happens, and so Darren is now upset. So she captures all these emotions really well in what's only, like, less than a half hour of film, that I really like, and she does have, she has, is like a conflicted character in a lot of ways, and because Darren's the fucking best, like, yeah. no, no surprises here. Um, doesn't mean the movie's not trash. <laughs> so then, um, the night before the big final custody thing, where Michelle Pfeiffer and Sam are gonna try to fight for, um, fight for, Michelle fight for Sam's <laughs> custody. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna try to fight for the custody and it's the night before and Dern brings Lucy over unannounced to Sam's house and was like, Hey, it's clear that like she loves you and you have a great relationship and maybe, you know, she'd want you'd want her to stay with you tonight. Um and she says, I gotta apologize. I was gonna go into that judge to the courtroom tomorrow morning and lie to the judge and say that I could love this girl more than you ever could. And I'm like, I know that's a lie. It's, it's touching. <laughs> Hands off, Lucy. And then he's like, well, you know, I, I always thought, like, she'd need a mother figure, so I hope, like, you can be a part of her life, too. And it's like, yeah, that's sweet. That's nice. And, like, yeah, that's also what should happen. Like, yeah. she should have, like, you should not be not allowed to be in his daughter's life. And she should also have, like, a, a stable, able, caring parent as well. So, like, sure, that's, like, a, a perfectly happy ending. But that's, that's just, okay, yeah, that's nice. Like, we just got this darn late. It wasn't, like, it's sort of, like, what, what we're... What was he fighting for, for all this? It wasn't like his... Michelle Pfeiffer was able to help him, like, get there at all. Um, it wasn't like the actual courtroom stuff that we saw, like, led to that. It was just like, oh, like, this woman, this foster mom, and him, and him like, they understood that they both care about this girl, so they're both gonna, like, do they, their part. They didn't even show up to the court the next day. They just <laughs> said, judge, we figured, we figured it out. It out. Yeah. Um, one that, and, but I did, like, so now we don't see the court scene. So okay. it goes from that to the final scene of the movie. And I like that because we got all this court bullshit before then that, like, was just like, oh, no, you don't get your daughter. <laughs> um, so then the final scene is, like, is Lucy playing in her soccer game, and Sam's there, and our girl Randy, Darren, is there. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is there with her son, and all of Sam's friends are there, and they watch her. And it's, like, sweet and nice, and I forget which bullshit Beatles song they, like, use to just tug at the heartstrings a little more. 
But it was just all this feel good, just like it's all about love and feeling good, and we will not address anything challenging <laughs> at all in this movie. It, it was Maxwell's yeah. Silver Hammer, wasn't it? Ooh, I <laughs> wish. My mom used to sing that to me when I was a baby, cool. and that's why I'm fucked up. <laughs> that song's about a murderer. <laughs> I wish there was no Maxwell Silver. There was two, that two of us. Sense. That's an obscure song. Too. Yeah, I mean, like, two of us is not one of the top ones. That's like a, a B-side. That's one of my faves. Hide Your Love Away. Lovely song. But again, none of these songs I like. I enjoy all these songs. But each one was just, like, thrown in to make you feel. Which, eh. I can see, Fuck like... It. This movie's dumb. Like a Sam on, like, a sad bus ride, and it's raining outside, and the song Norwegian Wood is playing very No faintly. Norwegian Wood! That's... I mean, that one could be tricky, because it's, like, about, you know, sleeping with a woman, and... Yeah, but stuff. it was... I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, Sam, that was a big part of his character. He did sleep with a woman. Yeah, it turns At out she was once. homeless. Well, that's all we ever got. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so we never really got the backstory there, and I was still kind of wondering, but hmm. she doesn't reappear. I figured. Yeah. She probably wasn't like, she's there. Come back. Yeah, no, she sprinted across the country, just like Gump. Just like Gump. Anyway, that's my Trash Dern movie, but Dern was great. Trash Dern. The acting was really good. Everything else sucked. Well, I think that's going to be a running theme for a while. <laughs> a lot of turn. I feel like we're going to have to do a special soon just to break up the bad turn movies. Although I have ne- next week's lineup ready at the end and it is a better Okay, than we have we'll seen see about that. All right. Um, shall we move on? We shall. To our next segment. Between two turns. All righty. Nicolaj, what's, what's going on? Two turns right now. Um well, this week I pretty much... I watched a few movies, but I'm going to focus on reading this week. I plowed through about 100 pages of Please Kill Me yesterday. What is that? That is the oral history of punk rock. It's a real thick book. It starts with, like, the doors, and it's all verbatim verbal accounts from all these people. And it's real big. It's real cool. Um, everybody's in it. Iggy Pop, David Bowie, all the Ramones... Um, Andy Warhol pops up here and there. I'm, like, right at the C- beginning of CBGBs right now. That's where I left off when I stopped reading. And I pulled a few things away from it. Um, punk was really gay around the time of, like, CBGBs. Like, when were you talking? Late 70s? Yeah, 80s? like, 71 to 74. Like, more than one of the Ramones hustled in New York City just to get by. Like, they, and you mean that in, like, the 70s sense of Yeah, it. like, they would hang out on, like, a corner in downtown New York and, like, let guys blow them for money. Cool. Like, they went, and yeah, like, all of them, it was just crazy hearing about all these different people's lives, and, like, I always knew, like, David Bowie was gay or queer, but, like, just reading the details from the people that were there, and just, like, all the terrible sex stuff that was happening, and, like, the people in and out of lives, and I also, um, had two realizations, and I realized one of them I should have told you about, because you could have prepared something for it, but I guess you could <laughs> Deeply curious. Alrighty, so Nancy Spongeton came up. She... Um, she was Sid's girlfriend. So oh, Sid Nancy. She, you know, the Sid whole thing. Um, I realized that I'm three degrees separated from her. Please. I dated a very nice Jewish girl a, f- a few years ago. Rebecca. Miriam. Well, I'm not going to say what her name was, but... <laughs> um, so I dated this girl, and her mother was grew up across the street from Nancy Spongeton. Really? So Where I'm was that? three degrees. Or maybe you don't want to say. No, it's in Pennsylvania, maybe Westchester. Definitely like a more affluent, like okay. suburby, nicer area. 
And then I realized that I was only four degrees separated from Miss Dern herself. Because I dated this same person. Um, they were very good friends with the son of Martin Scorsese, and Martin Scorsese um, directed a movie called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which it, it appears in, in the movie, Laura Dern appears very briefly. So I'm four degrees from Miss wow. Laura Dern. Okay. And I would have told you about this, but... Yeah, well, next week I'm going to prepare. Okay. Gonna, like... I think you could probably get there in at least, like, five or six. I can, I can get there I think Dern's an accessible woman. Dern's, I, I know some people. Or you could just go meet her. connections. <laughs> Just meet her and you got one. Oh yeah, next next week I'll have some my own see how, how close I am to LD herself. I got one last little thing. Please. Um, I'm sure our podcast audio format people already noticed this, but I did quite a shave job between our last recording <laughs> of this one. I for the last year or so I've been rocking a pretty long mustache. I'd say about an inch and a half at its longest, and I finally decided to cut it. It was starting to get in my food a lot. I wanted more manageable facial hair. So I trimmed everything up, and I decided to <laughs> frame up. I waxed, I waxed my mustache before I cut it, and I cut off the biggest chunks I could, and I framed it in a little gold frame with a white backing, and it's a little over an inch on each side. I will put a picture in the show notes if I can figure out how to do that. If not, uh, you can go to my Instagram, which will also be linked there. There's a photo of it. I have a nice little framed mustache, which will watch us record from now on. That, this is beautiful. So this is a small, just like three inch by two inch little frame with uh, like a Raleigh fingers or like snidely whiplash, just like the ends. And it, lo it looks like a silhouette of testicles. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Emilia pointed out that it looked very much did like Did you not one. notice that? I mean, it's your mustache. I mean, I don't know. Were too, I should have separated them a little. No. I still might. They're not glued in. This is this is a beautiful thing. It, it, I wish it lives I wish on my oddity shelf. See, that is, this is a perfect oddity. Alrighty, that's pretty that's much all magical. I got for this. I don't one. have anything that good. <laughs> you you don't, don't have a mustache shaved, or my beard four degrees today. to burn. Dirt. I didn't keep burn any. Dirt. Um, I do. Well, if we're talking hair, one of my new faves. I have somewhat long hair, which is a first time thing for me. Mm -hmm. And one of my absolute favorite parts is that now I clog the, the shower drain sometimes. And I won't even realize it. I'll go in and my roommate will have, like, removed it from the drain and left a clump <laughs> on the edge of the bathtub. And I feel bad, but also I feel powerful. <laughs> you, like, you have such power. Oh, you can shut down a whole that. restaurant. <laughs> One hair, that's all it takes. Um, what do I got? I've been... I want to talk about a book. I'm listening, I just listened to the Heaven's Gate podcast of last podcast on the left. That one, I'm also listening to it. Which is Very pretty good. good, but it just reminded me I'd rather talk about a better cult and one of my favorite books. Because Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate, super cool, but like by cult standards, kind of lame. It's yeah, like, all right, you guys I mean, were They dorks. were all just happy. Like, like, yeah, it wasn't like... Where's the like excessive like amphetamines and paranoia and like doomsday terrorism? Where's the struggle? Yeah, they just bought sneakers and ate pizza. They were just dorks in their Nike decades. God. Um, but I had read the first thing that got me into cults was a book called Raven. Ooh. Do you know this book? I do not know this. I want to tell you about this book. Um, so Raven is a biography of Jim Jones. Okay. Is I'm interested. Of Jonestown Massacre fame, one of the most notorious cult leaders of all time. Um, 
And it was written just a few years, I think three years after Jonestown. And for the first uh, three quarters of it, it reads very much like a, a well-researched um, just book where this journalist learned all about his life, clearly went through a lot of sources, starting with Jim Jones as a child. And so, as you might expect, the author is removed as like a historian would be, or a journalist from the story. Um, but, so this guy was one of the few, one of the only researchers researching Jim Jones before this happened. So when oh. shit was getting kind of weird in San Francisco and stuff, this guy was writing about Jim Jones, studying him, and he was one of the only people who was doing that. He was like, this is a crazy cult. Um, so he went with, I don't know how well you know the story, but a, a congressman, Leo Ryan from California, flew down to this compound in Guyana in South America where Jones had all these people, thousands of cult members, um, to go like check it out and make sure they were okay because their families were super worried. And they're like, our family is in a cult. Went down to South America. This journalist went. And if you also know this story, I'm you know that that congressman, so stressed out right that now. congressman was killed and gunned down. And that was the impetus for the mass suicide where, what, over a thousand people died at Jim Jones's hand where they drank the Kool-Aid. Our author, our journalist, was there, was shot and left for dead in the fucking Guyana jungle. And he didn't, so he didn't know that now, by the, by the next day, Jim Jones was dead, and so were all of his followers. He thought they were going to go out to get him. So all of a sudden, in like the climax of this story, he is now a central figure who lived it. And it is mind-blowing to now consider everything you've already read, where this guy was like researching his upbringing. It's like, this guy destroyed this man's life. This guy is the reason he was shot and nearly killed. He watched people die. He was part of this horrible, horrible tragedy, and now we're at this book. So if you like cults, if you like weird shit like that, Raven. Just one little thing I want to bring up um, on recorded medium. I have a theory about Mr. Jim Jones. Oh. He, um, I would say, was an acquaintance with another popular San Francisco political figure of the time, Harvey Milk. And Jim Jones was also caught masturbating in a movie theater to, I believe the film was Dirty Harry. It was definitely a Clint Eastwood picture. And my, my little theory, my little theory, Jim Jones was known to um, philander around with both women and men. So I think he was involved with um, Harvey Milk. And they were both in that theater getting it on. And the cops raided it. Ooh. And he said... Harvey, you got a political career. You got to go. I'll take the heat for this. And then he took the heat. I think that could <laughs> See, be See, it's real. that last bit that doesn't sound like... <laughs> sounds far too selfless for Jim Jones. Know, but, yeah. but that's my I, theory. I, I, I want to believe. That's my theory. Thank you. I want to believe. That's a beautiful theory. And actually, um, Harvey Milk's assassination happened within three days of the... Um, Jonestown. Oh, Jonestown? Yes. No shit. And I, I, I forget which way it worked, but one of the events was overshadowed by the other. I think probably it might have been Jonestown. I probably the three thousand people. I, it didn't get general. as much press though. Like it got press, but like I like think a lot of other big news things happened that week, and it Maybe just got so. swept because people just thought like, oh, it's some cult in the middle of the jungle. Who cares? Which obviously now is crazy, but like, right. and it's like when it first happened, like. 
no, like, they got minor reports, but, like, nothing big. When, it, when they actually, like, went with cameras and got, like, photos and all the bodies were there, like, that's when things really started to, like, blow up. But even, like, I've asked my mom and dad about it, and, like, they don't remember it happening, and they were, like, well into their lives by then. Like, they would have been teenagers, but sure. I don't know. Well, what do I know? Shall we move on to our, our next segment? Alrighty, next segment is called Little, little Dern. Dern. Alrighty, this was my week for a Little Dern, and um, I consider this week a personal disappointment. Um, <laughs> did you also watch I Am Sam? No, I did not watch I Am Sam. I watched a movie that I realized I did not write down the name of. <laughs> it was called Damage Care. I didn't watch it. That's the moral of the story. Uh, when I started this thing, I said to myself, I says, Nick, you're not going to break the law for this podcast. And I'll probably amend that one day. But for now, I wasn't going to pirate it. And that wasn't a problem because I could literally not find this anywhere, legal or illegal. The only place I could have gotten it was an $11 copy of it from Amazon on DVD, which I didn't want And was do. it like a third party seller? It was Prime, Region but three it probably Eastern wasn't. Europe. It probably came in like one of those like cardboard drugstore packages sure, yeah. from my childhood. Um, there is no Wikipedia on this film. Um, the IMDb storyline was atrocious. It was written by a person who doesn't understand the English language that well. They misspelled many words and misused grammar in a way that it was very difficult for me to read. I tried to read it like three times until I realized it was written wrong, and I thought I was just having a stroke. Um, so I'm going to tell you what I could pull from what they wrote, and then I'll add in all the stuff they left out that I had to get from a review from Dallas Public Access. Um, oh, let me also mention, um, the director was H Harry Weiner. Um, he pretty much exclusively... We're not going to call him Harry Weiner? Weiner. I don't know. This whole thing is a Weiner, if you ask me. Um, he directed over a, a dozen television films, and t he also did a bunch of episodes of TV. The only notable film I found was called Space Camp, which I have on VHS, but I have not watched yet. And the whole premise is like a bunch of kids are at a space camp, and they're playing in a rocket, and then the rocket gets sent to space, and they have to be in space. Oh, Which, fun. it sounds really fun. Yeah, I do want to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. It's a dream. So, here is this atrocious storyline from IMDb. I'm gonna, I wrote it with arrows, I'm gonna read it in the same order they wrote it. So there's this guy named Doug. He has a kid. He has an ex-wife who has custody of the kid, and apparently she's a bad lady, and he doesn't want her to have custody. So he is hoping that his new wife, whose name is Linda Pino, who is Laura Dern, he is hoping that her... Linda Pino? I don't know, man. That was the, this is based on a true story, by the way. That was her okay. real name. This was a real woman that you just made fun of. <laughs> We're going to get hate mail from this real woman. Um, alrighty, so he's hoping the new job that she just got is going to help him pay the legal bills to get his son back, which makes him sound like a bad guy, but I really don't know, because this whole thing is really messed up, this whole writing here. Um, so she's the first person to graduate in her family. That's important, apparently. Um, she accepts the first job she, she can get, which is working at an insurance company that is cold and greedy. And uh, she finds out the company is purposely denying treatments to people that they should be approving them to, but they're just not approving so they can save money. She rebels and approves many of these things anyway, and then she finds out that they're getting denied. That's where it ends. That is the, it, this is almost a two hour film, and that is everything this person thought was 
important <laughs> to write about it. It completely skips the point where she whistle blew the company that she was working for. And that's basically the point of the whole story is that this lady worked for a bunch of companies, she found out what they were doing, and then she whistle blew okay. and broke so you know them. this isn't the only Laura Dern whistleblowing we'll be covering? Interesting. I think I knew this. But anyway, um, also, she works at... Her, she then gets a job at the hospital that her husband works at. That whole thing was just sweeped over. And she finds out there that, like, companies just try to make the most money they can off of people. Yeah. Which is how... It's <laughs> obvious, like... You know. Anyway, so the review I read that told me those important facts also said um, that people were upset that this movie dramatized medical crises, which seemed like a weird thing to say considering General Hospital at this point in time had been on for, what, 70 years? Like, <laughs> I, and I, before I figured that out, I was like, well, Grey's Anatomy was still three years away, but like... They've always been dramatizing medicine what and year, people. What year are we talking This about? is uh, 2002, one year out from 9-11, which is now going to be our gauge wow. for everything, yes. which I'm happy with. You know, yeah. it's a good marker. Um, it's basically rated about a 60%, which probably Who's sounds... Who's 60? Right. Is that Pretty much IMDb? everyone. This was IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I would tell you if Wikipedia had a rating, but they didn't because sure. there isn't one. Um, uh, b -b -b the Dallas newspaper that wrote a review for sure. this. Yeah, the Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> which which famously movie. sold <laughs> HIV and AIDS medication as well as reviewed early 2000s television <laughs> films. Movie. Um, yeah. So that was pretty much this movie. It was... From all of the images I could find, Laura Dern just looked like a like a woman who worked for insurance. She had very straight blonde hair. She just wore like either scrubs or, like, minor business suity kind of stuff. Okay. It pretty much seems like an underwhelming movie that is about 50% medical procedural and 50% legal procedural. I mean... I feel like they used, like, work. three sets. Okay. And maybe it was great. I don't know. Like, I don't know that. It could have been more sets, but I feel like they had, like, a hospital they shot in and they had a courtroom they shot in, and that was probably it. Right. And, like, maybe a house. Okay. So you know you need to see this film. I... <laughs> you know, part, part that, of, what you part can't of the, see is the gun that Max is holding to my head right now. Part of the covenant that is this undertaking is that I have to watch 75 straight <laughs> minutes of David Lynch fucking deleted scenes, then you have to watch Damage Care. Alright, here's the deal. We're gonna start a uh, we're gonna start a flood where we're gonna put all of the movies. That we cannot find that Nick can't to find, a reasonable that will go till the ends of the earth. <laughs> Look, I spent 30 minutes trying to find this anywhere I could. Spent 30 days. What we're going to do is we're going to start a flood. We're going to put all these movies in there. And when we eventually monetize this somehow, we will use that monetization for Patreon? to pay for these movies that we need to buy. <laughs> like... Flood, whatever this is called. So please Damage follow kit. us on OnlyFans. And you know what we're gonna do also is we're only gonna release those episodes to Patreon people that pay for them. You you can you can buy one of Nick's uh, <laughs> mustache hairs. Yeah, we will sell whatever we have to. Twenty Blood, bucks a pop. Hair. I've got foot picks. Skin foot picks. <laughs> whatever so, you want. So many foot. Whatever picks. you want. We're desperate. How many? How much for the foot picks? <laughs> Oh, man. Pay what you want, really. 
I'll take what I can get. You got a bowl of soup? I'll take a bowl it's of soup. It's nice knowing my feet are out there in the world. <laughs> we should put ourselves on um, WikiFeet. It's the celebrity <laughs> foot Wikipedia. What does it? Is it pictures? Is yeah, it's it pictures. Pictures, sizes, descriptions. I think sizes. These I got these new boots. I They're see. ladies' boots because I have very small feet. You're a lady. So if you're into tiny men's feet, who isn't? In these times, everybody's a little into tiny men's feet. Tiny men's feet. Thank you, tiny men's feet. These are some shoes uh, my parents' friends got me for my birthday. And I threw up on them once, and there's still a little bit of throw up on them. Aww. You can hardly notice. I know. It's pretty. It's like one or two little spots. And I was for you listeners at home, tell us what shoes you're wearing. Yeah, right in. (laughs) Right in. We want to know. You know, we should have a P.O. box for the dozen of listeners we have. Alrighty, well. You want to go to the close? Yeah. We don't have a name for this segment, so I'm going to count down to three, and we're both going to just say something, and maybe it'll be the same thing, and then we'll know what happened. Oh, I doubt it's going to be. Three, two, one. Close after turning. End of dern, dern. That was good. That was a good one. <laughs> Saying it twice really <laughs> punctuates. <laughs> This is my first podcast. <laughs> this is your second podcast, actually. This is the second episode of my first podcast. Alright, what do we gotta watch? What's going on? Alrighty, so first of all, murder count, something I said I was gonna do from <laughs> now on. Laura Dern is still at three murders because well, I... we can't really account for my film, but I'm pretty sure she didn't murder anyone directly. And I don't think she murdered anyone in your uplifting, mentally challenged man. No, but I could see, like, in the sequel where she and Sam develop uh, a relationship, a somewhat illicit relationship, that would be shunned by her husband, for instance. I was kind of... So she murders her husband. This might be distasteful, but I was kind of hoping that at the end you got to see the husband and it was also Sean Penn. (laughs) <laughs> just to, like, save money, they just used him and hoped no one would notice that it's just him playing a, a neurotypical man. I think that'd be terrible, but it'd be a little funny. And he has, like, a, a, a three-octave deeper voice, and he's just like, hello, honey. No, again, this wasn't one of the David uh, Lynch yes. films. No, but... we, we wouldn't do that here. <laughs> Alrighty, so next week, uh, we are going to the far corners of these United States... It is my turn for a big dirt, and I will be watching Bastard Out of Carolina, a 1996 film that I think stars Laura Dern, so she's going to be in it a decent okay. amount. Um, I'll be curious to know if she has a better accent than... I, it's definitely going to be a southern accent. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I read the description, but I won't bore you with it. You can tune in next week to check it out. And you're we'll going to be... bore you with it, though? Yeah, we'll bore you later, rather than now. You're all asleep by now, so this doesn't matter. We can say whatever we want. All right, yeah, Max, you will be doing Little Dern next week. You are watching The Siege of Ruby Ridge in 1996. Yes! I got a Waco movie! She's in a Waco movie? Oh, yeah, you know who else is in this movie? You're going to lose your damn mind. Randy Quaid! Yes! Ah! Yeah, we need, we need bells. It seems like you'd be at the real Waco. He was. <laughs> he was studying for this role. Yes! Yeah. Oh, two 1996 pictures. It's going to be a good Wait, what's mine? Made for TV? Yep. TV movie. Okay. Oh, so she's either going to be like 
a member of ATF or a cult member. I feel like she's and gonna I be in a cult, either but way. either way, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for me. Next week might be our best episode next yet. Week, you're gonna want to tune in. It's gonna be a three-hour episode <laughs> next week. We'll see you then. Unless right. you have any uh, parting words. Oh, I got nothing. Nope. I'm all parted out. Me neither. No catchy slogans. Alrighty. See Until you. next time. <laughs>